0: Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. Over the last few years, we've seen the emergence of several new ways to invest in art beyond simply buying physical artworks for your collection. Now, collectors and artists might think, what's the appeal in that? But there certainly is appeal, with so many new investors interested in investing in the art market, but they don't really have any experience or maybe even a desire to build an art collection. And so we're seeing more demand for products that enable them to invest in this space without having to have a collection. One way is through an art investment fund. Think a hedge fund for art. Art investment funds have actually been around for a long time, but for a variety of reasons, they really haven't taken off. But we're now seeing some traction in this space. So we wanted to explore that further. And in this week's episode of the podcast, we do that with Rebecca Fine. She's a managing director, head of art investments at Athena Art Finance and Yield Street. We speak to her about their investment platform and how the interest in art investment funds has really grown in the past couple of years since the start of the pandemic. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Becca, thanks so much for chatting with us.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, it's a pleasure to have you on. So I think it'd be great to start off by telling us a little bit more about Yield Street and Athena, as well as how art fits into some of the offerings you have at the company. Yield
1: Street's ambition, first of all, is to help investors um, achieve financial independence and build wealth through passive investments. Basically, making your money work as hard as you do, and when Yield Street began in 2015, <clears throat> they really wanted to be able to originate very unique opportunities for investors to invest in the kinds of opportunities that had previously been accessible to you know institutions and the ultra wealthy. So, like alternative investments or private market investing in uh, you know equity or debt of companies that aren't listed on an exchange and Athena had been since 2015 making loans against very high value fine art. Um, we were originally uh, a Carlisle Group portfolio company and Street acquired Athena in 2019 to be able to invo- offer investors the opportunity to invest in pools of our art-backed loans that Athena had underwritten, it was sort of the way that the genesis of that. And then we uh, had been offering these debt products For several years, to our investors, there was an insatiable appetite. Um, But people really, investors really wanted to be one step closer to art ownership, and that was the genesis of the art equity funds, which allowed retail investors for as little as fifteen thousand dollars to access diversified portfolios of blue chip modern and contemporary artworks. Um, And I'm happy to talk about those. We've launched four art equity funds since November of 2021.
0: And so art funds, they're interesting. We hear about them from time to time, but they've always seemed to occupy just a small part of the art market. Although it does seem that lately there have been an increased number of ways to invest in art without actually being an art collector. So tell us more about your art funds that you offer and how are your funds structured and Really, be great if you could walk us through just how you build a portfolio of art.
1: Okay, so we have a really experienced team that is thoroughly vetting the artworks offered at galleries and fairs and auctions around the world. We're laser focused on returns, right? I mean, that's why we exist. So we're looking at the Kagers, the compound annual growth rate of of each of the artists, and we have a proprietary data analytics platform that we've been using since 2015. To inform our decisions about whether and how much to lend against artworks in our Athena business, the art lending business. So each fund includes blue chip artists who kind of lead the market in liquidity and price momentum and trading volume, all of that institutional support. And then we also include what we call mid career artists, so proven up and coming artists whose works are extremely sought after and difficult to acquire. Um, I sort of analogize the mid career artists to the most established of the private market, like series C startups. So these are premier artists of their generation. They're represented by the top tier galleries. Um, and each of our funds includes um, Blue Chip and Mercure artists. Um, basically we, we create thematic funds um, and we acquire the works directly from the galleries, um, the auction houses, um, private sellers collectors and we manage the portfolio with an expectation that we will hold the works for five years although we have the option of renewing sort of one uh, two one-year extensions and the expectation is that we will be selling um, you know opportunistically perhaps also reinvesting but essentially you know we're acquiring this works with the expectation that they will be Um, you know, increasing meaningfully in value. And we just had a, so we do biannual reappraisals of the portfolios. And we just had our first fund was reappraised by, uh, you know, independent art uh, appraiser. And the value of the fund is up 24.3% over the original acquisition prices. So we're very excited
0: about that. And who would you say is the typical kind of investor who's more likely to be attracted to art funds? Is it an existing art collector who's very familiar with the art market, or someone who doesn't have a lot of exposure to art and is pursuing this route rather than starting an art collection.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it's generally the case that our investors have real you know curiosity about art as an asset class. like many of our investors are new, I think, to this asset class. Um, they certainly have the financial resources to buy physical art. they're not necessarily comfortable walking into a gallery to ask for prices. And, um, you know, they have an interest in art, but they're not yet collectors. And that's why I'm so excited about the opportunity to share my passion for art and these really magnificent artworks with the widest audiences. Um, We basically, so for as little as $15,000, I think it is now, uh, retail investors can access these diversified portfolios, and it gives them an opportunity to you know, hedge against uncertain market conditions, but it, but basically an entry to a market that was previously reserved for the ultra-rich or, you know, institutions. And obviously we, we do have some people who are already art collectors, but I think largely speaking, this is for many of our investors, an opportunity for them to sort of diversify their investment portfolios.
0: We've seen the art market and so many other assets perform incredibly well, beginning just after the pandemic in 2020. How has COVID and this this subsequent bull or inflationary period of the past few years impacted you, and really the appeal of art funds to prospective investors?
1: No, I think they're actually it's it's certainly increased um, their interest. There's a growing recognition that art is not only a passion, luxury asset, but it's like a true portfolio diversifier because art as an asset class is historically uncorrelated to more traditional assets like private. Public equity and fixed income, and COVID-specific, according to Citibank, in the first seven months of 2020, the art market outperformed ten major asset classes. So, commodities were down more than 22 percent. Real estate was down 14.5 percent. Contemporary art was up 6.7 percent, and across all collecting categories, art was up, you know, five and a half percent. So, it's obviously impossible to predict future market conditions, but in the past, uh, recessions. Art prices have only had minor decreases in value, and art sales have rebounded much faster than the S&P 500. So like it took the S&P 500 five years to recover from the 2008 recession. It took the markets for the top 100 artists only three years. And we know that our investors have concerns about the ways that economic turbulence might impact the art market. So we provide a lot of market private market data and color um, about each individual artist in our equity funds. So we provide information about art fairs, which is difficult to obtain without insider access. And we really are, are very intent on educating our investors about the art market and very closely follow, you know, performance at all the three auction houses, which are, by the way, doing really well. I don't know if you saw yesterday. They released, uh, Christie's and Phillips released their uh, first half of 2022 results. And they were uh, very positive. I gave a chance to see that.
0: Yeah, I did. The numbers the auction houses have generated is extraordinary. And I'm curious to see if they can maintain that pace in the second half of this year. We'll just have to see. So in the past, we've had on the podcast, one of your main competitors, Masterworks. And I think due to their marketing efforts, most of our listeners have heard of them by now. But can you describe some of the key differences between investing with, say, Masterworks versus in one of your funds? Because I know it is a very different experience.
1: I'm very happy to answer this question. <laughs> I'd say there are three major differences between Yield Street's art equity funds and Masterworks: um, diversification, independence, and the fact that we don't disclose purchase prices, or images, or even titles of the artworks we acquire. These are key differentiators. So first, <clears throat> as I mentioned, we Consider diversification is really key. Um, We're really focused on returns. And in funds with numerous artworks, price fluctuations for any given artwork in the fund, uh, price fluctuations are spread across numerous artworks, which reduces concentration risk. So if the value of one painting decreases, it doesn't necessarily mean the entire portfolio will behave in a correlated way. In fact, we think it won't. Maybe think, of it, maybe think of the difference this way. If you want to pick a stock or do day trading, then you use Masterworks. If you want to invest in a sophisticated fund that's managed by professionals, you invest with Street. Maybe you think of it that way. But we use independent third-party appraisers and museum conservators to assess condition, which of course informs value. And we do that even before we make an offer to purchase artwork. And then with this independent fair market valuation, we negotiate the price and we purchase below that fair market value appraisal. And it's really key that we're not disclosing the artworks or the purchase prices. Um, Masterworks does, obviously, they disclose the piece, they mark it up. The works are effectively being shopped from the moment Masterworks buy them. And also because the people know the prices at which artworks transact, um, when Masterworks sells, the conversation with, with a prospective buyer will necessarily include the purchase price and the prices at which the shares of the, the, the investment have traded, I guess on Masterworks, um, you know, secondary trading platform. And then you from that you can extrapolate to derive another data point. And if the asking price is meaningfully higher, which it has to be if they're going, you know, if they're aiming for returns, the buyer is going to question all these valuations. And basically it makes it really difficult. For masterworks to resell these works at a substantial markup later. That's my view. We we also are, you know, feel like we're custodians of these works for a time, and um, it's a privilege, and we want to make that time really meaningful for investors. So, really core to our mission to provide access and democratize investments. We're also creating all these unique opportunities for investors to meet artists and showcase their work and to um, see the artworks in in major galleries. We have artworks in, um, for example, I'm leaving on Wednesday for the De Young Museum where we have a beautiful Faith Ringgold narrative quilt that's in an exhibition there. We we had an after hours curator led tour of the new museum's um, retrospective, the Faith in Gold exhibition. Um, And we do events like that all the time for investors. Our fourth fund is anchored in a really magnificent Basquiat painting, and we uh, Yield Street is really honored to be sponsoring the Basquiat King Pleasure exhibit in New York. And we offered investors, you know, after our tours with the Basquiat sisters in early August, we have uh, an event coming up. We had a great party there for investors a few months ago, and I really view the educational um, piece of the investment experience an important one and, and a distinction one for Yield Street because it really, you know, I'm really trying to give investors an education so that, you know, one day it's my secret wish that they'll all be, you know, investing in physical art themselves and become collectors. Um, And I think that, you know, having this level of engagement is very unusual for, you know, for an investment
0: fund. And as you actively manage these funds, I'm sure you take views on the short-term and medium-term art market and economy do you have views on the macro art market and economy over the next few years? There, there are a lot of people talking about a looming recession and its potential impact on the art market. How do you see things?
1: Art prices have historically remained um, virtually flat during economic downturns. Um, I think during the 27 recessions between, like, literally going back from 1875 <laughs> to 2000, they've averaged, they've decreased only, you know, less than a percentage point, um, and and as I mentioned earlier, they, they rebound faster. Um, I, I think that investor sentiment and our view seems to be consistent with, with this. And I saw an interesting survey from Art Basel and UBS report in 2022 that um, demonstrates that collectors are more optimistic about the art market than the global stock market. And they looked at like six month and 10 year horizons and everywhere, everywhere in the world except respondents in Taiwan were more bullish on the art market than they were about everything else. And I think that certain markets are contracting a bit. Um, you know, I think Asia, um, as, I, as I see it, the, the Asian market will be much softer. Um, the old master's market is likely going to be weaker. But for most people who are buying art, if, if they're buying the most sort of exemplary examples of blue chip um, and mid-career artists, you know, their most iconic imagery from the best period of their artistic output, those pieces are going to continue to hold value and increase over time. And that's like exactly what we're looking for when we select artworks for our Real Street Art Equity Funds. Um, so, And, and you know, we, we obviously are watching very closely. We have, as, as you mentioned, not only the Art Equity Funds, but also the, the debt product, which I'd love to tell you about if, you, if you're interested in, in hearing it.
0: Sure, we'd be happy to hear about your debt product, which I think within the art world is even more rare and opaque than even art funds. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners don't even know much about what a debt product could be in the art world, so tell us.
1: Yeah, so Yieldstreet's the only place to invest in art-backed debt offerings. The way that works is that our investors receive distributions as the underlying borrowers repay interest and in principal. So the loans, and I guess is a pool, many, many loans altogether completely anonymized. Nobody knows who the borrowers are, what the artworks are, except to the extent that there's like a concentration in a particular artist. Um, but the loans themselves are made at about 50% of the marketable cash value of the artworks. There's a there's substantial cushion. And the borrower bears that downside risk, right? If, God forbid, um, you know, they well, basically, as long as the artworks don't appreciate by more than 50%, the sale of the artwork will repay the loan. Um, And because there's so much demand for the yield right now, for yield, we recently launched our second diversified art portfolio, which has a target annualized yield of 9%. But basically um, we're taking our, our loans from Athena and we offer this product to investors and um, they receive interest um, along the way. And um, the first funds perform beautifully and, um, it's just another option um, because, as you know, with equity, you're really, it's a, it's a longer term investment um, and you're really coming at it from a, from a different perspective. And, and as people learn more about art investing and have the experience with us um, on the art back loans, um, they, they really, it was the investors who said they really wanted it to be in diversified art equity funds. So we, we took them sort of one step closer to art ownership, but they are the, the funds really, you know, they own the artworks with an expectation that the artworks will appreciate in value over time. But they, we have both offerings currently available to investors on the platform.
0: Rebecca thanks so much again for coming on to the podcast really enjoyed hearing about some of the products you have on the yield street platform relating to art as well as some of your thoughts about where the art market may be heading for listeners want to learn more about the funds or the debt product what's the best website they can visit
1: it's yieldstreet.com and then take a look and you just you look at the art investment offerings and um, we're always delighted to speak with people, so feel free to reach out, but it was a pleasure speaking with you and, I uh, look forward to having you on our podcast soon.
0: <laughs> I'm looking forward to joining. Thanks again.